Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and on the net at WSOU.net. Today, we're so pleased to have as our in-studio guest, Mr. Michael Pila, who is the founder and creative director of Pila Creative Marketing. Michael, welcome to the program, and, and thanks for coming over to the studio to do this interview because I'm very curious and very interested to hear about your business, what's going on, but mm -hmm. also your viewpoints on leadership. So let's start off by sharing with the audience a little bit about your education and background, and then we'll jump into Sheila Creative Marketing. Sure, 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 Daryl, and thank you for having me uh, this morning. <clears throat> um, I went to Pratt Institute. I have a BFA in communication design. Uh, after sort of bouncing around a couple of jobs. A very important job for me was one at Book of the Month Club like a million years ago because I learned a lot about uh, direct marketing and, and how, to, how to sort of judge the effectiveness of campaigns uh, on, a, on a very immediate basis. Uh, I basically frust I was frustrated. I was trying to find another job. I was trying to break out of that niche. I noticed I had more luck getting clients than I did finding a job. I did better with people giving me work than, than I did on job interviews. So I figured the universe was sending me a signal. So I, I started my own business, and it, it broadened my experience. I got to do things I wouldn't have got to do otherwise. Uh, I got to get into packaging, corporate communications. I designed a couple of national magazines for kids. And after doing that for a while, the, the, this is how long ago this is, the Internet. This is pre-Internet. So when the Internet did show up, it was something I fell in love with immediately. Um, First of all, I've always been interested in the marriage of art and technology, and this is the perfect marriage of art and technology, especially from, from my point of view. Uh, and secondly, it was, was the idea of getting instantaneous results. You could, you could tell how your stuff is doing immediately. With a lot of advertising and promotion, you just kind of throw it out there and hope for the best. But here you can tell exactly what's working, when it's working, all that other stuff. So I closed my business. I got a job with two very iconic dot-com companies at the time. I was at iVillage. Uh, I like to tell people if this was 15 years ago, you'd be very impressed. I was, I was basically the head creative director of their in-house ad agency. Uh, and we were sort of inventing online advertising as we went along. Uh, and it was very, very interesting. We were, we were developing advertising, especially for the iVillage community. And we had clients like Ford Motor Company, PNC Bank, uh, Dirt Devil, uh, Fujifilm, you know, and all, all the content we, we developed was slanted towards that. And iVillage was the first big web portal just for women. So a lot of the content we developed sort of had a women's take or women's slant on it, if you will. From there, I went to Modem Media, which was another giant interactive agency, and I worked primarily on their GE and U UBS Warburg accounts. Uh, and again, it was a very, very significant educational experience for me. And then, like many other people, I got laid off. So finding myself laid off, once again, I started up my own business. This time, the goal was to bring the power of the Internet to small and mid-sized businesses, taking what I had learned at the corporate level and applying it to, to small business, nonprofits, what have you. Because one of the great things about the Internet is that it's the great equalizer. Everybody has the same access to the same people anywhere, anytime, all over the world. So if you have your, your niche market very well defined, you can reach those people, whether you're you, whether you're Coca-Cola, whether you're Apple Computer. Everybody's basically equal. So I just want to you know, sort of help, help small business take advantage of that. Excellent. And um, I see here that you also attended uh, Rutgers in a mini MBA program. Yeah, that was recently, and that was actually a lot of fun. Uh, I've, I have been doing a lot of social media. 
uh, for my clients. I mean, it's funny. You know, I got, you get good at one thing, and people ask you to do other things. So we got really good at website development, and suddenly they say, well, while you're doing that, can you do our social media? But a lot of the experience I had was hands-on, and, and again, mostly from the creative content creation side. I wanted to get more into the business end of it, get into analytics, get into strategy, get into that sort of stuff. So that was a, it was an intensive course. It was They basically took a 12-week course and squeezed it into one week. So it was like a mini business school. And it was great. It was a great experience. I came away with it with some really good connections, and I, I learned an awful lot. There's a lot, I'm, lot more I'm going to be able to bring to the table as, as a result of that. So what would you say is the core competency of PILA Creative Marketing? We are, we are at heart a, a boutique creative company. So we basically do what is referred to in the web area as the front end. We do the piece that, that the market interacts with, that the customer interacts with. And our, 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 or my core competency or our core competency is basically taking the client's business objectives and turning those into uh, uh, marketing pieces, turning them, making them concrete. You know, the client will come to us with, we want to reach this particular group of people. You know, we want to sell this particular product. This is, this is our goal. How do we turn that into something that, that's going to resonate with our, with our target market? Now, recently, we're, we're here in South Orange. and. Right. Um, uh, Sopac's new website has launched, which you were. That on. was that was our, right, that's our latest. Uh, right, so our what, latest what was what was the key challenge there, the, or the key opportunity, if you will, that Sopac was was looking to uh, take on? For, first and foremost, uh, we wanted to capture the excitement of live entertainment. We feel their their initial site really wasn't doing that. Their site, which which I don't know how long it was up, but it was, it was sort of a fairly staid site. Uh, it wasn't a bad site because they had been using it for years, but it didn't really excite anybody. It didn't capture the, the excitement of live entertainment. There really wasn't any place to really promote the acts. Uh, there wasn't enough color. There wasn't enough use of multimedia. Uh, and it was very, very, it wasn't, it wasn't intuitive as far as finding what the upcoming shows were. So we did a lot of work on information architecture. We did a lot of work on making the site very, very searchable. There's three different ways of searching for everything on the site. Uh, and what had, are those three ways? Well, you can search by month. These are like drop-down menus. You can drop search by month. You can search by genre. So if you only want, if you only want to know what comedies do they have coming in the next year, you click a button that says comedy, and they all come up at once. And then beyond that, you click any of those individual acts, and you get a, a detail page for each act. So each act now has its own landing page which also contains audio or video for that particular act, along with you know very prominent buy ticket buttons. So you're getting everything you want in one package. Very nice. So what about historical information, previous acts? You might have, like, give you an example, uh, the Glenn Miller Band uh, mm -hmm. has played there two years in a row now. Right. So would that information be there? So We're, if someone said, I'm considering going to the Glenn Miller show, I heard it was good last time. We're working on the we're working on archiving. It was a very very demanding project because in addition to the um, in addition to the information about shows and events, you know, SOPAC is a nonprofit theater. <clears throat> nonprofit theaters basically exist in two worlds. They exist in the theatrical world. They also have to raise money. So we had to put a lot of institutional information. There's an entire donation section. Uh, we included information about South Orange, about the village itself, where to go to eat, what to do, that sort of stuff. Uh, SOPAC also uh, allows, uh, has space for that people can rent out for shows and events of their own. So we wanted to, you know, wanted to promote that. 
So it's a very, very multi-purpose site, uh, and it really integrates South. It really integrates SOPAC fully into the South Orange community. So when I think of Pila Creative Marketing, um, is it is it just website user interface user interaction, um, but also you 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 include the traditional hard marketing things like branding message. Theme. Yes. Yeah, we do. First of all, we're primarily a digital agency. So we're like, a, again, like a boutique digital ad agency. Um, we do come at branding, but again, from the digital side, um, primarily what we, what we provide is a comprehensive digital campaign that does start with branding and is then played out through various digital properties, uh, websites, social media, email marketing, whatever. But uh, um, my particular view is to is to present that as a as a unified whole. And so, when you when when you're talking to a particular potential client, is there a particular creative process that you use a methodology that you have had success with to encourage someone to sign on with Pila Creative Marketing? And by the way, yes, uh, what is your website? Oh, the website is Pila P I L L A. The letter C and the letter M for creative marketing. So it's pilacm.com. Excellent. Right. Um, you know, there is a process. It's largely intuitive. I mean, I usually start out. What I, what I tend to tell clients is we exist between your marketing plan and your market. We are that bridge between, you know, your plans, what you'd like to do, and actually having those plans come to fruition. Uh, we always start with a discovery phase. We get to thoroughly know the client's business, their objectives, what it is they want to do. Uh, and then, you know, we have a, have a fairly comprehensive amount of experience. We sort of bring that into the, into the fold. And, and uh, it, it, from that point, it's sort of an iterative process. And, and what if that client, um, unfortunately, does not have a marketing plan, but they, ver they, they, they verbalize what their vision is, so to speak. Yeah, we, we, we're not like a numbers-crunching type of company. So I do have partners who can do that sort of stuff. Um, but even a client without a... a, a well, when I say uh, a marketing plan, I'm talking about, you know, the, the, you know I'm talking about the, but, the, the nuts and bolts of, of a marketing right, plan. Okay, where right, it's like, okay. Here's <clears> a, here, you know, we got our website, we got our direct mail, we got this, we got that. Um, but they don't have that. They just say, well, you know what? We have this business of widgets and... And we want to sell a hundred widgets, and um, we haven't gone out to the to the marketplace in an organized manner yet. Right. Well, yeah. Everybody has something they want to do, and everybody has every business has a personality. And a lot of my job is to discover that personality. Mm -hmm. And it's not so. And it's not so much to express that personality, but to express it in such a way that's going to appeal to their target audience. I like to think of it as an audience because so much. It, the lines between marketing, media, and entertainment are like blurring every day. So, so I basically like to think of it as an audience. What's going to appeal to this audience? You know, what's going what's to signal to them that we really understand not only what their needs are, but, you know, what, what they want. And so, I, I, as you said, your business niche, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. um, is really small businesses. And when we say small, can we define it as businesses with revenues between hundred thousand up to five million or or larger? It, it's it's primarily been small, but we we've had some larger clients, and mm -hmm. frank, frankly, the process is the same. 
Um, but yes, uh, you know, I mean, my my the two areas we've had a lot of success in is uh, arts and entertainment. Before SOPAC, we actually did some work for Manhattan Theater Club, which is a, a Broadway and off-Broadway oh, in, oh yes. in the city. Yes. Um, right off of 34th and 8th, I believe. Well, actually, they, they're up on 43rd Street. Oh, 43rd. They used to be okay. downtown. They, they, okay. They've moved like mm -hmm. a number of years ago, but they've okay. moved. We've done some uh, film festivals, uh, uh, jazz festivals. So th those have been those sort of like our favorite types of clients. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also had success with food and beverage. Right? We've actually la launched... Uh, a couple of years ago, we successfully launched a restaurant in Hoboken, uh, something called Matt and Mira. It was a fusion of Indian and American cuisine. Uh, but the chef, the chef is a, a, a he's just a, 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 he's a famous chef, but he's not like world famous yet. You know, as the owner said, he's renowned. He's not famous, you know. But he had a really good take on combining uh, Indian, uh, basically creating American dishes with Indian flavors and ingredients. So we did all the branding for that. Uh, our entire campaign for that was totally digital. We went from like an empty storefront to a local favorite inside of six months. And how did you do that? Largely, well, the, you know, we created a very strong brand. We did we did a lot of very advertising with a lot of personality, and we largely reached out to local uh, influencers. So we reached out to local food bloggers. Hoboken turns out to have a very active underground food community. And we managed to tap into them early. A lot of foodies. A lot of foodies. So we got them on our side. So, like, we only had, like, maybe 400 Twitter followers. But every tweet we went out was retweeted. But so everything got went throughout the entire city, like, in no time. And it even got to the point where we, we, we were contacted by Yelp. That Yelp. Yelp, the, the company. <laughs> yeah. They, they mm -hmm. contacted us and, and asked us to do events with them. That is basically the, the the level of reviews we were getting. That's a that's a huge compliment. Huge, I know. Yeah, I used to tell the owner, you know, I can I can get them into the store. You know, after that, it's the food's got the food's got to keep them. The food yep. did, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Michael Pila. He's the founder and creative director of Pila Creative Marketing. So let's talk about leadership. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about your leadership style. How would you describe? your leadership style, and how would your colleagues describe your leadership style? I don't know style? how my colleagues would. I tend to be, I'm, I'm, what I like to do uh, is set definite parameters, uh, set definite goals, and then leave it up to people how they're going to meet those goals. So I think my job is more or less corralling other people's activities. Uh, I'm not going to micromanage unless things are falling apart, you know. But I'm not going to micromanage, you know, and I'm not going to browbeat people, but I am going to let them know what I expect of them. Uh, I see my role as providing a supportive atmosphere so they can do their work and also making it clear how everybody fits into the overall game plan. So everybody knows their roles. Everybody knows their, their, their area of responsibility. The only thing I ask people is do what you say you're going to do, and if you're not, let me know, and, you know, we'll, we'll work around that. And how many folks do you manage in your company? It, it's been as high as six. Mm -hmm. And it's basically mm -hmm. a couple of programmers, uh, a couple of copywriters, another designer. And then I'm sure you use some freelancers. Yes, yes. right, yeah. yeah adjunct, yes. Uh -huh. Well, for instance, one of the businesses, uh, one of the, in some situations, I'll hire a programming company. So I am managing a manager. So I'm sort of, it's almost like managing by remote control, you know. Right. I mean, I have direct access to the programmers, but I still need to set the parameters for them. That's correct. That's correct. And um, following up on that, um, when did you realize that you want to go from being uh, 
an employee per se, because you, you know, you're, of course, being a creative director, you're still managing people, to to being the leader in charge of the of 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 the day to day. Again, I felt I had gone as far as I could go, mm-hmm. as being uh, inside, as it were, and there were other things I wanted to get into. I never would have been able to get into the internet. Um, or digital marketing as quickly as I did had I been on staff. I mean, running my own show, it was like, hey, this looks interesting, you know, and next thing I know, we're doing websites. That that may not have happened right. inside. Right. So I, I, right. I liked, it was primarily to just expand my horizons and just basically get, get some additional opportunities to do, mm-hmm. do things I otherwise couldn't. And what do you see as the key traits of being a leader? Again, I, I, I see it as um, creating that environment that lets other people do their best and providing direction for the, for the overall, you know, for the whole. So people don't have to necessarily worry about where we're we going. You know, they should have faith in the leader that the leader has set the proper direction and is giving them the opportunity to, 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 to succeed. And that, you know, all members of the group are going to, all, all members of the group are going to mesh you know, so basically, it's like being a, a conductor of an orchestra. You know, everybody's got their instrument to play. It's up to the conductor to make sure that everything is, you know, they're, you know, they're all in tune. And what is another key trait? I need to come up with another one. <laughs> uh, you know, it's listening, managing conflict. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, play, listening, play, of course. Play, playing Dr. Phil. Yes, right. Well, not too much. Actually, I wind up doing that with clients sometimes. Sometimes it's like... Uh, you know, it's like I'm Dr. Design, you know, because they've got a problem. They're not quite sure how to deal with it. You know, I, I used to get called in a lot for emergencies. You know, some somebody had hired someone else to do a job and it wasn't working out. Now they're like pulling their hair out. So they'll call me because I have a reputation for being dependable. And, you know, the first half of the conversation was just basically getting them to calm down, you know. Getting them to express what the Ex- issue is. Well, what the real issue is. Right. You know, I mean, a lot of times people will say, you know, everything is falling apart, you know, and get them to focus on, well, exactly what is it that's falling apart. In your opinion, yeah. are leaders develop or are they born? Are I think people born leaders? Or? I, 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 it's, a, it's a combination of both, which is, I, I think you can, you can have a, uh, you can be predisposed. I think it all depends on how you deal with people. I think if you're predisposed to deal with people, uh, comfortably, that certainly puts you puts you in a good position to be a leader. And then after that, it's I think experience. You know, you need you know you need to fail a lot to succeed. You know, so you basically need to go through those failures uh, before you can take a leadership position, so that you could you can understand you know what what troubles may lay ahead and how to deal with your own staff when when they maybe you know don't perform as expected. And so by going through the failures, of course, you get the experience of, of going through the situation, the pros and the cons. Right. Um, but as you go through it, of course, managing people through their own failures, how does a leader do that constructively? Well, I think, it, well, I was going to say you don't want to browbeat people, first of all. But secondly, I think it depends on the person. Um, I've had people working for me who failed simply because they weren't paying attention. Or maybe they were taking shortcuts, or maybe I don't like to use the word lazy, but maybe they really weren't giving it their best effort. So I would deal with that differently than someone who was making an honest effort, and for whatever reason, maybe things didn't work out, or maybe they were just went off in a wrong direction. They were they weren't trying to screw up; it just kind of happened, you know. 
or maybe they screwed up because a vendor failed them. So I think it's got to be taken on a case by case basis. But 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 you you need to think you need to constantly be thinking about the the overall goal. You know how 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 do I get this person back on track so that the project can can be completed successfully? Would you consider your team to be a high performing team? Um, yes. And 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 why? What are those key characteristics, in your opinion, about a high well, performing well, team? Well, the, peop- the people I bring on are 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 competent. Uh, but more more important, I've learned more important than competency is uh, is is that they're trustworthy. Uh, I found I have found through the years that character uh, is it plays a larger part than than I would have thought when I started this. That I used to used to hire people solely on their abilities to do the job. Uh, now, while that's still up there, I'm hiring people I know I can trust, and I find if if I'm working with people I can trust. Then no matter what happens, you know we all got each other's back. So that that's going to basically eliminate a lot of problems. Any problems that do come up will be dealt with, uh, you know, in, in a good way. Define trust for me. Well, again, that they'll, a they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Uh, there's not going to be anybody going behind anybody's back. You know, there's not going to be any backstabbing. There's not going to be any finger pointing. Uh, there's not going to be any ducking of responsibility. You know. We're basically everybody's dealing with it in a very above-board, straightforward manner. During your interview process, I, I totally agree with, with, with what you're saying here, mm-hmm. but how do you <laughs> discover that in the interview process? That's Again, that's tricky. That's almost, that does become very intuitive. Uh, there are cases where, I, where mm-hmm. the people I've interviewed are, were, were referred to me by people I trust. So that, that sort of goes a long way. Um, and just basically the, the way they handle themselves, the way they answer particular questions, um, how, how seriously are they taking the interview, you know? And when you say how seriously they're taking the interview, one might listen to this and say, well, doesn't everybody take an interview seriously? I mean, what, what, what would be the signs that someone isn't taking well, that they're clear, an interview? They're clearly seriously. thinking of something else <laughs> while you're talking to them. They're clearly, you know... They've got their heads somewhere else, or they, you know, they just tend to, you know, toss off your questions with a little, a little, a little too flippantly, you know. Give you short answers instead of giving you. I don't mind if they're short, but it dep- I mean, if they if they're kind of short, but they've got no substance, you mm-hmm. know. And again, just a certain lack of a- attention, you know. You get the feeling that their mind is somewhere else. Have you? I had the unfortunate task of uh, terminating someone, firing someone. Yeah, and Morton usually it's it's for. Um, well, what what has happened because of the nature of my work is is it sometimes it's difficult to fire someone in the middle of a project because that means you have to replace them. So what happens more often than not is I just won't call them back. Is what well, we, we will get through whatever the situation is, but you know there was really no reason to to bring them back, you know, for for another project. And w- and when you did your self reflection, was there something that you could look? In hindsight, because you know hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Uh, you could look in hindsight and say, "Well, you know what? I saw that, but I gave them the benefit of the doubt." It, it's two, two, two instances. One instance would be someone really didn't have a lot of experience, and I just I just figured the project was, in my estimation, simple enough that they should be able to handle it, and that really turned out not to be the case at all. Um, there have been a couple of instances when I have taken somebody back. 
or worked with someone a second time even after they and it really wasn't a matter of competency it was just I didn't really like the way they conducted themselves but since they were competent I gave them a second chance and they basically you know misbehaved a second time as it were so yeah I always say everyone gets a chance to misbehave <laughs> once <laughs> right yeah well it's like you know fool me once shame on you right. you know so this was like okay you had your shot you know so what's next up for Pila Creative Marketing? Is there a, an exciting project that you have in the works um, that we, you're excited about? We are sort of in between projects. What I am excited about is getting more into the, into the social media space. Uh, that's clearly the future of marketing in general. And uh, social media has really grown over the last few years. You know, we've gone beyond the, the cute, uh, you know, the, the little cute pictures of, you know, cats that look like Hitler, you know, or the... You know, or pictures of your of your cappuccino oh. with with no foam in it. You know, the guy, the, the, the cliche superficial oh, posts. See what I'm having for dinner tonight. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's still a lot of that. And actually, there's a place for that stuff because this is it's like a playground. But but a, it, a lot of it is getting more and more targeted, uh, more and more serious. Uh, I I uh, I'll tell you something from my own own experience. I've uh, I've written a book. Oh, let's talk about that. I've written a book. I'm, tr I'm shopping it around. It's called okay. You Ought to Be in Business. You need, a, you need a publisher? Would be nice. I know publishers. It would be nice. I would love to talk sure, to sure. a publisher. I'll, I'll introduce you. Great. Yeah. Anyway, the name of the book is You mm -hmm. Ought to Be in Business, A mm -hmm. Streetwise Guide for the Self-Employed. Okay. What it is, it's a handbook. It's not a memoir, but it's based on my insights, experiences on running my own business. And the inspiration for the book is that I realized when I started my business that most of the books about running and starting your own business are written by corporate executives who have access to VC money and, a, and, a, and an address book full of influential contacts. So what if you've got like a coffee table and a laptop and you're working in your pajamas, as I did when I started? What if you're literally starting from ground zero, okay? What are, what are the issues you're facing, you know? How do you handle billing, you know? How do you handle paying your bills when you can't pay all your bills? How do you handle various asks? How, how to know it's time to go start your own business? These, these kind of issues. So I, I have had some nibbles, but no, no bites yet. But what I was going to get back to the social media end of this is, so I, I sent it to a publisher in, uh, not a publisher, a literary agent in California. And after like a month, they wrote me back saying, we really had a, had a lot of meetings about your book, and we loved the book, but... Nobody knows who the hell you are. Basically, that I'm, I don't have a large platform, you know. I don't. I don't have a following. And apparently, the nature of the book business nowadays is they want authors who come with a following. I, of course, said if I had a following, I wouldn't need the literary agent. But that fell on deaf ears. So I started building my social media platform. So one of the things I started, I started Twitter. Let me start with Twitter. I had 900 Twitter followers. So I, I did some research, and I started working at it. I, it's now up to 20,000. I have 20,000 Twitter followers. But what I learned doing that is, A, there is a vast amount of business information on Twitter. I'm only dealing with other marketing people. I'm not dealing with the entire Twitter sphere. I, I targeted myself to social media marketers. Tons of information. People on Twitter are very uh, interactive. They will, they will direct message you back. They will talk to you. It, they're very, very reachable. Very accessible. Very, very accessible uh, and, uh, and very supportive. So, so and I'm finding the same thing on, on LinkedIn. Uh, anytime I post something on LinkedIn, I get an immediate response. 
So I'm finding that these, that these 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 tools are very effective. They, they, they've grown. They've yes. matured. Right. And it's now the way people do business. Right. It's and, part of the marketing. Mix. Now it's part of it, and they're getting much more sophisticated. And it's sort of created almost like a, you know, it used to be like. Um, you know, if you're not on Google, you sort of don't exist. Well, it's becoming that way on social media. You need some sort of active presence on social media. That's right. Believe it or not, we are at the end of our time here Already? today. Already? But if you could, real quickly, sure. tell us some of your heroes that you have, some folks that you say, oh, man, he or she was, is or was a great Well, leader. all right. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a student of history. And, and two of my historical heroes are, are uh, FDR and General Grant, and both because they overcame great personal hardship to, to basically become extremely effective leaders, especially FDR. Um, I was thinking of, about his inaugural, first inaugural address, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And the thing to remember about that is in those days, uh, the president was elected in November, was not sworn until March. So he had six – for six months, he purposely didn't say anything. He stayed away from Hoover. He, he wouldn't give any – he wouldn't tip his hand at all. And people started to be worried that maybe they hired some – elected an idiot because he wasn't saying anything. And his – out of the box is we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And in those eight words, he turned the entire country around. That is that is awesome. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Michael Pila, the founder and creative director of Pila Creative Marketing. Michael, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Daryl. This is this is fun. I enjoyed it. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Darrell Gunter, your host on Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.